And no matter what your religion, the the, the Vatican is a, is a is it's a, it's a mighty organization, and the Pope is a is a is a very um, charismatic man, if I if I use the right word, and he's someone that he, no matter what religion you are, you you like to meet. And I've got photographs at home that show me on the wall meeting the Pope. And uh, I'm very pleased with the pictures. We'll prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best. We'll put them under pressure. Winning the ball, getting on with the play. We'll put them under pressure. What can I remember about the World Cup? Certain memories. I mean, I, I remember the quarter-final, obviously, and I remember I remember the games as much as anything. I funnily enough, the, I mean, the games that stick out is, is the Romanian game because so much happened. I think so much happened. And the Italian game in the quarter-final. I remember meeting the Pope. That was that was a great occasion. I believe you did wonders for the candle trade in Ireland. <laughs> I think uh, not alone the candle trade, holy water. Everybody was, every there was more prayers and Novena said that particular time than, than ever before, you know. And I think again it was down to the excitement and the pressure involved. Uh, we were under pressure, but the people back here in Ireland was under severe pressure also. Uh, every moment of those games, uh, old people keep coming up and telling me about they nearly had a heart attack every time, you know. So. Um, what happened there was there was an old lady down in Donegal or down in the west somewhere I couldn't say it was Donegal and uh, she had a candle uh, or a holy statue or whatever it was or a blessed candle I think it was on top of the telly um, and of course on one half I was sort of on one side of the telly while I was playing so she had a candle above me and then at half time when, when we, I would change around I would be on the other side of the telly and she would move the candle across the other side uh, again, all these things work, you know. She believed, and that's what it's all about, you know. Bono then hits another huge clearance up towards Cascarino. Tumbled in the air, but he gets the header away to Sheedy. Sheedy trying to control the ball and bring it down. Get inside, Sheedy got forward. Kevin Sheedy with a shot. Going back to the England game, um, there were a lot of anxious heartbeats in Ireland at the time. Um, were you worried at any stage that we might actually lose to England? No, 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 no. The, 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 I've always said the, the, you know, the, the Irish really have got an inbuilt fear of the English, um, in whatever way you want to interpret that. But it just seems to be there. Um, but I think it's forgotten at football now. I mean, there's no longer anything that... Um, there's not, we're no longer fear England on a football field. I think the general public in Ireland have got that feeling as well. We're no longer fearing, and uh, and that's good. 
It's good for Ireland. Because England are a very powerful nation in football. And uh, we're no longer frightened of them. The Egyptian match, um, apart from the disappointment of, of not winning, which annoyed you the most, the, the the result or the criticism that you got back here from some people at least about the performance? The people who criticise you back here, if they sat back and thought about their own careers and the way they played football, would know the frustration that we had on that day. And they must have faced that in the games that they've played. When you play a team who have no intention to come and play in you, all they're happy to do is not get beat. Now, that can be very difficult. Uh, the Danes found that when they went to play in Albania. The, the, the Albania didn't want to come and play them. They just didn't want to get beat. And they finished up dropping a point which could be vital to them in a World Cup qualifier. We're going to face teams like that. And I'm sure we're going to have the same sort of disappointment and we're going to have the same frustrations that we had, that the ball just won't go in the net no matter how much pressure you apply. You've got too many people there, too many players that are prepared to be negative and not positive. And this is a question that uh, a lot of the, 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 the smaller nations in the world have, that they're afraid to come and play people. We're considered one of the better nations now. But we've never, ever accepted the fact that we can't go and play people. We will go and play anybody, and we always have gone and played anybody. We've never sat back and tried to play for a result. It's just not in our makeup and the way we play in our game. So the Egypt game was one that, that somewhere along the line, every international team has experienced something similar. Unfortunately, it happened at a time when we, we needed and wanted to win that game. But in saying that, we were never going to lose it I don't think that is shot in the goals in 90 minutes. And we managed to pick up the point we needed against the Dutch, and we qualified. And Egypt paid the price of not playing because they went out of the group. So maybe it teaches some of the smaller nations that you've got to at least contribute something to a game if you want to get anything out of it. Did you know up there that the whole country was going completely mad while the World Cup was going on? Yeah, I, uh, I could well imagine what it was like. And uh, plus, we got some tapes sent out. Um, RT did some sort of around the country scenes, and uh, we were watching those before. I think before the Holland game. In fact, my family was on it, so it was nice to see them uh, on that. Oh no, we, we knew how excited everybody was, and the longer it kept going, the better it was getting. We were just sorry that we couldn't be here enjoying it also. Um, we missed all the crack here throughout that in those days and I hope I have something again when I'm not playing so I can enjoy the crack here. It's a warm, bammy evening in Palermo as the ball is not forward again for uh, Cascarita to chase and a back pass. They're going to stray in the ball in the back of the net. It's an equaliser. Oh. I suppose um, the, the, the high point of Irish soccer to date has been the World Cup in Italy and the memory we'll always have of Niall Quinn in that World Cup was the goal against Holland. Yes, um, I mean, a lot more went on besides that, but I, I suppose a lot of people will remember me for, for that goal, which, which uh, sort of brought us through to the next stage. And um, 
It was great because I had just left uh, Arsenal. I'd had a bad time at Arsenal. I just joined uh, Man City in the March, and this and that was in uh, May June time. So, I mean, in, literally in three months, my career went full circle. I went from being a reserve player at Arsenal to scoring on the world stage in in Italy, and. Um, it, it, it was a platform I needed to help me sustain a, a good career, and uh, so far I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the way it's gone. The game that, that we all remember most fondly in Ireland is the Romanian match, especially the penalty shootout. What, what was going through your mind? Or how was your mind while all this was happening? Well, before the game, we were very concerned at the stadium we were playing in because it was a very confined stadium. There were no corners edged out. It was just surrounded on four sides by stands. And there was no air getting in and no wind. And, no, and it was a very hot day. And it's our game is not suited to playing on a very hot day. We, 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 we demand too much effort from the players. And, uh, and I thought we were a bit lucky in the early stages of the game to get away with it. And uh, But as the game wore on, we came more and more into it. And then we had to play extra time, and I thought that would be a bit of a problem for us. But by that time, both teams had really run themselves out. Uh, and it, it looked like it would go to a penalty shootout. I wasn't concerned if we'd lost that game on a penalty shootout. I went to the lads and I said, listen, you've done your best and you've done great. Uh, You've decided on who's taking the penalties. All I tell you to do is don't change your mind. Make your mind of what you're going to go and go do it. And I said to Kevin Sheedy, what are you going to do, Kevin? You're, he was taking the first one, Kevin, which in my opinion is the difficultest one to take. And, and Kevin said, I'm going to blast it straight over his head. I said, well, go do it. And he did. He went and blasted it straight over his head. And uh, the goalkeeper moved out of the way and he, you know. And I think that set the pattern. And, and, and every one of our penalties, with a possible exception of Tony Cascarino's, was very positive. The goalkeeper was never anywhere near the ball. The only one he got near was Tony's. But Tony had done what he wanted to do. He went and he played it in the position he wanted to play it. The save that Patty made um, was a ball I would have expected him to save. It wasn't a very good penalty. It wasn't struck with any great power. And it uh, it wasn't done with any great um, intent. And Packy went the right way and saved, got, saved it. Uh, the next Romanian player just uh, stepping forward, uh, trying to keep his concentration and build it up. Packy just points uh, to the referee and uh, to his own head there. Just keep an eye on it, says Packy, to the referee. And Daniel Tumofte. He come on as a substitute late in the game. We'll try and outsmart the big Donegal man on this occasion. The referee making a note of his number. And it's tied at 4-4 in penalties. Bonner crouches like a cat on the line. Hits it and Bonner saved it. Peggy Bonner goes to his right. He saved a penalty kick. Oh, the Irish players rush up and big Peggy just waves them away. He can't believe it. Cascarino goes to him, tells him, goes to him. And it really wasn't hit with any great conviction and Packy does a little war dance out left side of the penalty area to the Irish supporters and they've gone wild. They have gone wild here in Genoa. Were you brought up in a religious family? Yeah, uh, fairly religious, yeah. Um, um, I wouldn't say over-religious. 
uh, but I would say um, probably similar to most families in Donegal at the time. Went to Mass every day, uh, went to October devotions, did all the things that we, we had to do. Um, and I think religion to me is uh, has been important, but I think it's a very private thing to me. Uh, I don't go and boast about it. I don't go out there and tell people that I'm this and I'm that, which I'm not. Uh, but I like to, I suppose I'm a bit selfish in the sense that I use religion uh, because I'm in a pressure job. I think everybody under pressure needs something to try and help them through those pressure days and uh, I'm no different. And I've used God, I suppose. I've asked him for help uh, when I was in a sticky positions on the pitch and off the pitch. Uh, and I would like to think over the piece that maybe he has come and helped us, you know. I think we all remember you blessing yourselves at the just before the penalties and the Romanian match especially. Yeah, um, in fact I got criticised for that. Uh, but uh, I was uh, again brought up in a family that um, if something happened, be it a, a good event or a bad event or bad news or something, the first thing you do is you, you say a prayer to God and bless yourself. Um, and that's stuck with me throughout my life. Um, so it's not an act. It's not a something that I, I just do for the sake of doing it. I genuinely ask uh, God to uh, to help me. Um, I knew how important those five penalty kicks were to the people here in Ireland. It uh, made people's uh, life uh, a lot more enjoyable. A lot of sick people in the hospital, a lot of people who are suffering at home and so on. I took them out of those uh, sort of misery, that misery for... for be it for an hour or be it for two hours or be it for the rest of the year. Uh, so if God helped me to make the save, then <laughs> then that's what I asked for. We're into uh, real nail-biting stuff here. This is it. I mean, the final penalty, and we've got Dave O'Leary to take it. I suppose if you're going to wish for an experienced campaigner to take it, you couldn't wish for many more experienced players than David O'Leary. Some of the Irish players in the centre circle, Paul McGrath and Kevin Moore, are afraid to look towards the goal at this point. But now they're turning around. Chris Morris arms folded on the halfway line. The referee wants uh, the ball respotted properly on the white dot by Cassis Green, or by, I should say, by David O'Leary. If uh, Big Dave can put this away, Ireland are through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. He steps and it's in the back of the net. Oh, yeah! Rome, here we come. When you try and try again. Then never win I know how that feels But this time around I finally found What it's all about He writes songs about The way that I feel I've got a be remembered as the man who scored that penalty against Romania. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most fantastic things that ever happened to me. People have said over your 20 years in football so far, what what are the best things? And I, I'd say the Anfield night when we won the championship against Liverpool for Arsenal, 
and uh, the remaining the penalty absolutely unbelievable and I suppose the only thing that never happened was that I'd love to have the penalty get on a plane and coming back to Dublin because for all for Martin Gatter's celebrations back here was supposed to be unreal a lot of people were surprised to see you actually going up to take the penalty and I think Jack Charlton was probably one of the people I think everybody was shocked uh, but you know it was there to be taken um, I took it and it worked out well for me looking back now I think if I'd have missed it I'd have been gone down as the you know there's the person for all that you've done with Ireland over the last 17 years there's the person that missed the penalty against Romania so um, thank God I did score it what a great you know a great feeling when it went in tremendous what was going through your mind as you walked up to place the ball on the spot? All the, the bottom line was uh, I was going to hit it to the keeper's left and I wasn't going to change my mind. Th and that was it. Said nothing else. Pick the ball up, take it nice and easy and hit it to his left and strike it well. The one, the one reservation I did have was in David O'Leary. I mean, when David took the last penalty, it's not... I mean, I'm a centre-half myself and, and there's no way that I would have been allowed to take a penalty. But David wanted to take it, put the ball down and went and stroked it into the net like he'd been doing it all his life probably one of the only penalty Davis ever taken and uh, and we got through but had we lost I wouldn't have condemned the players and uh, I felt very sorry for the for the Romanians I mean they they had uh, it'd been a hell of a battle the game in spite of being a goalless draw it was still a hell of a battle and a very very difficult day so I was quite delighted that we went through and uh, I'd said we'll go to Rome and we did. You also told the, the players that you would go and meet the Pope, and you did. Yeah. Some of them were a bit sceptical, I believe, that you would actually deliver on your um, promise. Oh, there was never any danger about going to meet the Pope. Um, obviously, the time to do it was when we were in Rome, but maybe we were, if, if we had got knocked out in that match, we might still go to Rome to meet the Pope. Uh, the players all wanted to do it. The staff all wanted to do it. And... Uh, what better opportunity was that? We, we had a couple of friends, a couple of bishops who were friends, archbishops or bishops. I'm not sure how you line them up here. Who, who had uh, laid down the foundations for us to do it when we went, months in advance, so there was never a problem. I can remember because I was so tall being told to go to the back so that everybody could get near him. So I didn't actually get as close to him as I'd have liked to. But just to be in the company of that great man was um, something, you know, really special. I think normally with a group of lads, if you can imagine 22 lads out together, being on their own for a few weeks or whatever, there's always, you know, times when one or two will crack a joke about something. It's good. Great. The, the, the squad, you know, the sense of sort of camaraderie is, is second to none, but literally everybody was gobsmacked that day. Nobody could even bring themselves to sort of talk about it. It was so astonishing that we came so close to that great man. What was it about the occasion that gobsmacked you, to use your words? Well, I suppose the whole the whole scene in Rome was, was incredible. You know, um, the, the presence the man has... Indeed, you know, I think I can, I mean, Packy Bonner is never one that's, he's always, you know, well able to handle himself, he's never caught for words or anything, but uh, the Pope actually did speak to him in Italian, and, and, and I mean, Packy, I think, you know, he, you, you could have knocked him over with a feather, he, he was completely gone, and I think that was the way all of us were, it was just, um, we realised how fortunate we were in the position to meet him, and um, luckily, uh, you know, it's memories I'll be telling children and grandchildren about, you know, it was 
just uh, it's, it's hard to put into words it's just the whole aura of the man I mean it, it, incredible and the kick of the whole World Cup. Uh, the way it worked out, we got to Rome, uh, probably just by the way the fixtures worked out. But getting to Rome, Mick was promised by Jack to go and see the Pope. I think Jack, actually, when he said it <coughs> to Mick, he was thinking about the final, not the quarter-final. Uh, but we weren't going to take a chance. Uh, so it was a marvellous occasion. It's something that uh, I suppose I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And uh, just... just to be in the place near him, uh, like most of us don't even get an opportunity, but to actually shake his hand and talk to him, uh, marvellous, you know. He's got a presence about him, he's not that big a man, but he's got a presence that uh, that oozes out of him and uh, captures the whole audience, captured me, and uh, marvellous. And you were the person who was chosen to make the presentation on behalf of the Irish team? So no. Uh, no, what happened was... Uh, we went, we went into the place and we sat down and then after the speech, after the whole thing, ceremony was over, um, the Pope went round and uh, he was going talking to some of the handicapped and the kids and so on and we were asked to come across and go on um, the steps in front of his place, in front of the altar and we, we sort of lined up and I was actually up the back uh, of everybody and uh, some of his aides came over and asked could I come down the front because they wanted to introduce him to me. Uh, seeing that he was a goalkeeper when he was young himself so I didn't hesitate then the front I went so and I didn't make a presentation was as the captain Mick McCarthy Jack and then that made the presentation Mick Byrne made a presentation but when he came across along the line then I think he shook uh, Chris Hutton's hand John Aldridge and then he came to me and it was then that one of them said that I was the portier which is Italian for goalkeeper and he said, oh, Portier, and said something in Italian, which I didn't recognise, but he had a bit of a laugh about it, so I don't know whether he was slagging me off or, or praising me. You didn't say anything to him yourself, did you? No, I was too dumbfounded, you know. I was, uh, was mesmerised by the whole event. Which you know is the person that I always wanted to meet, and uh, it was come out of the blue, and it was absolutely unbelievable to meet him. And uh, the person, his company, the presence of him was, and to go around the Vatican and see everything was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable icing on the cake to a week, tremendous. Why did you always want to meet the Pope? I, ju I think mainly a Roman Catholic for a start, and then th this new Pope, you come to Ireland, you seen him, and. He seemed to have this presence about him, and uh, I, I just—I always thought he, he was the ultimate, and uh, he lived up to everything I, uh, you know, had hoped for. Did you actually get close to him? Yes, did, and um, he said he was a goalkeeping fan, and he wanted to meet our goalkeeper because he played as a goalkeeper. 
growing up and uh, he, he wished us all the best again. Lee thought we'd need a lot of a lot of prayers and a lot of everything else to, uh, you know, if we were to beat them. was it? Well, it was everything that you read in the books about it. I mean, the ceilings, uh, the sort of ornate little chapels dotted around the place. I mean, it was just uh, something that, you know, that you didn't think used to only exist thousands of years ago, but, um, or hundreds of years ago, whatever, in the Middle Ages, but it's it's still there today, and it's it's one of the greatest places. I mean, you, you couldn't really spend a two-week holiday there, and <laughs> I don't think they'd allow in tourists uh, that way, but um, if people could get the chance to go there, I, I would put that very high, and I'd put it on the, probably the top list of priorities if I was ever uh, going to Italy on holidays, because it's, especially as a Roman Catholic, you will you'll feel totally enthralled. It might seem strange to some people now who, uh, who uh, remember that the great moment when you score the goal and that you would be on top of the world, that you could get so worked up or excited about meeting the Pope. Ah, that's just the, the, the presence of the man. I mean, it's, you know, you've got to look on, on, on you know, from, I'm, I've said earlier, given out about how sometimes I get, I'm not so uh, pleased with the media side of things, you know, uh, on newspapers. Well, having said that, I also read about film stars and I also look up to them and stuff like that. But when you, when you, when you think that uh, the Pope is probably the best-known person in the world, and uh, you know, then all these actors rolled into one, and he's the the main man that we all look up to. Um, to think, you know, that he, I was sort of in his place, if you like, for a for a little chat, and it was um, it's a good, you know, it's nice. It's just something to tell to tell the families, you know, my children, grandchildren, whatever. Um, I realize, of course, I was very fortunate, and, and it was a very special occasion, but. Um, as to why it probably enthralls, I don't know. I mean, I suppose the whole journey was just, you know, the whole World Cup was great. And to think that to cap it all, besides football, we went and met him, it, it really doubled it up for us. I believe the lads gave a hard time to poor McBurn um, on the bus to, to, the, to see the Pope. Is that true? Mm, well, um, Mick is... Uh, Mick was, I mean, it was, it's, it's sort of, the ambition in Mick's life was to go to Rome and meet the Pope. And, and to a certain degree, Charlie O'Leary as well. I mean, the players, they're always a bit sceptical. They can either take it or leave it, you know. But they too wanted to go. And, uh, and, and being the ones that sort of look forward to it and, and really wanted it, the lads did give him a bit of stick. But it was all good-hearted. There was nothing nasty about it. Is it true that you were more nervous about what the cameras would show you doing during the audience than actually about meeting the Pope himself? Well, it's very difficult for me because I don't know the protocol of a Catholic uh, mass or, a, or how the things go. I mean, I have been to a mass and watched the lads have mass. We normally have uh, 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 we have Liam who comes in from over in the West to, to, to do masses for the players whenever we're abroad. And uh, so I've seen them before, but from a distance. I've never, never joined in. So the protocol of the Catholic religion is something I don't understand and I don't know. So to go in, into a situation like that and meet the Pope, 
I didn't. I, I wanted everybody else that wanted to meet the Pope to meet the Pope. And I tried to stand at the back, and they kept coming in. I had to go and, and say hello to him. And I was the, the, the guy came and said, the Pope would like to meet you, Mr. Charlton, you know. So I went, and, and, and he just said to me, I'm Mr. Charlton, the boss. And and he was virtually, that's all he said. I said, he said, very nice to meet you. And I said, thank you very much, very nice to, to be here. But I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I was standing there, and I didn't know when to come forward, when to step back. I didn't know what to do. I mean, it's... Uh, so it was. It wasn't. And no matter what your religion, the the, the Vatican is a, is a is it's a, it's a mighty organization, and the Pope is a is a is a very um, charismatic man, if I if I use the right word, and he's someone that no matter what religion you are, you you like to meet, and I've got photographs at home that show me on the wall meeting the Pope, and uh, I'm very pleased with the pictures. It was quite a proud moment for you, obviously. Yes. It was nice to take a Catholic team to Rome and to see the Pope. And uh, everybody was happy and I was happy. The players were happy. Mick Byrne was ecstatic. Charlie was delighted. I asked Charlie what the Pope said to him because the Pope spoke more to Charlie than anybody. And Charlie says, I was so overall I don't remember a word he said. <laughs> so so it was all it was all a good event and a good day. occasion was it though to go and meet the Pope? What what kind of atmosphere or solemnity was it? Very serious. Yeah, it was like you go into a church. I think in that way, it was that quiet way. It was that quiet type of man, and that, that's the way it was portrayed. What kind of impression did you get of him? As I said, I think that uh, you, you knew you were in the presence of somebody special, and that that's that's the impression I got. No, no more, no less than that. What did your parents say to you about meeting the Pope? Well, like everybody, they were absolutely couldn't believe it. I mean, the whole of Ireland loved to meet him when he came here, and for they thought fantastic. I know my mum and my dad, and like millions upon billions of people, would love to have the opportunity you had. So I'm very lucky. How will you remember that day? As I said, uh, a one-off, absolutely unbelievable, uh, lucky thing to happen to. about the, the Catholic team. A lot of the lads say prayers before match, matches. Is that correct? I've never seen a player um, go on his knees and say a prayer before a game. But I'm sure they do sit down and say a prayer before they go out on the field. They, they certainly all cross themselves before they go out. That's standard in, in any sport when you're a Catholic, I should think. And uh, they always do that. And before they kick off, they always do it. And uh, But I would expect that. I expect that. Is it true that you sometimes say a prayer yourself, a special prayer that you from your daughter? N yeah, it, it's it's a <laughs> it was one me. Well, my daughter once said to me when she when we when when we took him to bed and, and she had a kneel 
and say a prayers. The lads as well, two boys I got. And they used to have to kneel down and say the prayers. And uh, and Debbie, I took her to bed one night and she was saying, I said, no, say a prayers. And she, she, never, and she says, can I say the one I say at school? And I said, yeah, of course you can. Any prayer you want, just say the She said, do you want to learn the school? So she says, for what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Which I thought was very funny, you know. It's the one you say when you're having your food. <laughs> But she didn't know any better, and she it was just a just a laugh. Now you So you made a phone call back to Dublin. Oh, to young Michael, I mean. Yes, I spoke to Michael. Well, I, I can't remember if it was the night before or, or on the day. Of the, I can't remember, but I certainly spoke to him, yeah. Um, since then, you got involved with the Cap Captain Fantastic Walk and you've done a lot of fundraising. Why is that side of your life so important, or why do you make give your free time to, to be involved in that project? Well, I mean... I didn't give, I don't give that much time, I try and give a bit of time, if any any money I can raise for the hospital I will do. The walk really was an idea I had, because I knew I'd got, we'd done so well in Ireland with the football, and we got, all the players have got such a high profile, and I realised I got a high profile at the time, and I'd been involved with young Michael and the hospital with Finn Brannock up at Our Ladies in Crumlin. I thought, well, with having such a profile at the time, I really ought to do something and, and attempt to raise some money for a worthy cause. And that's the one that sprung to mind through young Michael McCarthy. And it worked. I mean, we raised a quarter of a million quid for the hospital, so it, it was a, a wonderful success. And I got a great deal of pleasure out of, out of doing that walk. A great deal of satisfaction out of it. How, how did that whole thing with, with young Michael start off? It was his, his father wrote to me before the Wales game years ago, I don't know, three, two or three years ago. Asked me if I would go and visit him. Uh, actually, the letter sort of went, Michael McCarthy, father, hospital, and as it happens, my son Michael McCarthy was in Ireland. And it was only when I saw Michael McCarthy's son, hospital, I read it, and it, because I thought it was my son, and it wasn't, it was the other Mac Michael McCarthy's son, Michael McCarthy. Uh, he took me to see him, and really, I, I stayed. I became very close to the family, and that's that was you know the walk was the culmination of it all. Going back to that Italy game, you genuinely thought we could beat them. Yeah, I did. Yeah, never any doubt. I mean, what we'd achieved as far as we had done in the World Cup, there was no reason why we couldn't beat them as well. So, so you were very disappointed when we actually lost. Oh yeah, very disappointed. Yeah, I was broken-hearted. Were, were there a few tears shed, or are you, or are you not that kind of man? Oh, I shed tears, yeah. I was. There were, there were lots of emotions running through my head, though. I was very disappointed. I was very frustrated at the referee. I was upset because we'd been beaten. Uh, anger. I mean, I really was angry at it. And all oh, the tears came. I took a lot of consoling. I mean, I, w I went up into the dressing room. I was, still, uh, I was still blubbering away there for about half an hour afterwards. Were the other players in the same state? I don't know, I didn't take any notes of I don't want to talk If it makes you feel sad And I understand 
you've come to shake my hand. I apologize if it makes you feel bad seeing me so tense. No self-confidence, but you see the winner takes. to go home, flying home. Um, we obviously we wanted to stay a little bit longer and get to the final, but uh, you know I think it was it was a huge effort on our part. Uh, indeed, and the fans as well. I mean, not forgetting them, we'd all sort of we were all actually have a good go. We we, we did. We we we, we you know uh, I suppose on the pitch we uh, we did Ireland proud, but also off the pitch we did Ireland more than proud. I mean, it was just the most incredible atmosphere and, and sense of unity between a team and its fans that was you know I mean the, the other nations couldn't believe it. And uh, to think we were all going home together, and uh, you know the, the reception that waited here, uh, that um, that was here for us when we got back. I mean, it was just, you know, again, mind blowing stuff. into a, a godlike figure almost in Ireland. Do you know what he has though that, that it seems to appeal to Irish people so much? Uh, well he was successful. I think that's the uh, that's the main uh, main uh, appeal I, w- I would think. Uh, I think if Vaughan Han had been a successful shocker I'd be the sa- it would be the, it would be the same way. Uh, you know success has a thousand fathers as they say and uh, Jack quite rightly is treated very well in this country. He deserves all the, the accolades and uh, that he gets because he, he brought a lot of joy to people. It's what people wanted in this country for a long time and it was a great breakthrough for soccer to qualify for a major championship and to do well in it. you during the 1990 World Cup? Well, that's... That's part of the job. I mean, I... Um, 
I'm a miner's son from the northeast of England who spent a lifetime in football, and they gave me a job to do over here, which was produce a team that could get results and, and, and bring people into the games. I've been very successful in doing exactly that. The results have been okay. We've, we think we've pleased the people of Ireland, and... Uh, And as far as his rewards are concerned, I get, a, I get paid a weekly wage for doing exactly the job I do. The fact that the people of Ireland like me is great. I love that. I mean, there's nothing. I like being popular. I would be a liar if I said I didn't. Um, it's got its drawbacks. Sometimes you... Uh, well, there's very little privacy in your life in Ireland anymore. And, but that's one of the things that we, we accept. Canonization. You couldn't have done that to me anyway, I'm a Protestant. <laughs>